Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Closing our fist and being in control of every area of our life. Uh, Jesus actually talked about that in Matthew chapter 16, verse 25, when he said this, he said, if you try to hang on to your life, right? Like if you try to, to, to control your life, he says that you will end up losing it. But if you'll give up your life, if you'll live a life with an open hand and you'll do it, he says, for my sake, for kingdom purposes, that you will save it. In week two, we looked at Jesus washing the disciples' feet, and we talked about just um, how awkward of a moment that would have been when Jesus gets up from the table and he does what all the disciples should have done on their own, and he does it for them. And Jesus um, really challenges us in that story to follow his example by being generous in the way that we serve others. Today, in week three, um, I want to show you um, this idea of how God turns our pain into purpose, of how he turns our pain into purpose. And I want us to look at one of, I'm telling you, one of the craziest stories in the Bible that I have ever read, and it's found in Mark chapter 5, so you can begin to make your way there. If you're taking notes today, I've entitled today's message, Generous with Our Story, Being Generous with Our Story. Well, let's, uh, let's prepare our hearts for God's Word today. Say this out loud with me. Father, as I open your Word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Does it strike you kind of odd that you and a friend can experience the same event but walk away with different memories? You can see and experience the exact same event, but you can walk away and tell the experience of that event in a totally different way. You know, I've kind of often wondered how, how that happens, and I think the easiest way for me to explain it is by us thinking of our lives um, in the terms of a, say, a school bus. And all of us have different seats on the bus, but we all experience the same landmarks as we drive. And maybe I'm sitting in the front and I'm sitting next to a window and you're sitting towards the back against the the aisle and we're going to see the same landmarks, drive by the same landmarks, but you and I are going to notice them in a different way. And I think that's what we see with many of the stories in the gospels, the, the disciples experiencing the same event, but experiencing it from different perspectives. And today we're going to look at a story of Jesus casting out a demon. And we're going to look at it from Mark's perspective in Mark 5. But, but this week, if you want to dig a little bit deeper, if you want to look at it from a different perspective than Mark, then I would encourage you to take a look at John chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 8. John chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 8. And you can look at this story from John and Matthew's perspective. 
you got your Bible, look with me in Mark chapter five. We're going to pick up in verse one. Here's what it says. So, so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region, the Gerasenes. Now they is meaning Jesus and the disciples. And a little bit of context to um, this story is that this is happening right after Jesus calms the storm. Do you remember that? that story that the disciples are in the boat and, and a storm all of a sudden arises and, and they're freaking out and they don't, they don't know, they, they're afraid that they're going to die. And Jesus, if you remember the story, Jesus is asleep in the boat. Anybody ever feel like they're going through a storm and Jesus is asleep in the boat, right? And the disciples wake Jesus up and he's like, kind of a little bit frustrated of why they're so concerned and he calms the storm. And what we know about that story is that it happens at night. And what we know about that story is that it is, it is in the boat as they go through the storm and he calms the storm that as they finish the process of the boat to get to the other side is when this story picks up. And so I want you to think about this idea as we read the rest of the story that it is nighttime. And so it's one thing to experience something kind of freaky during the day, but it's a whole nother thing to experience something during the nighttime. Like if you've ever walked into a church building at night by yourself, sometimes I think this is the scariest place on earth at night when you're all by yourself. But, but here it is. They arrive at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes and watch what happens when Jesus climbs out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. Verse three, this man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even by a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, that he would, he, uh, as he often was, that he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. It says no one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. And if you are to read Luke's perspective of the story, one of the things that Luke points out from his seat on the bus is to make it even more kind of freaky is that this guy is covered in blood and naked. So <laughs> in verse six, when it says that Jesus was still some distance away, right? The man sees Jesus and comes running to meet him and he bows before him. Now I want to stop right here and I want to make sure that we kind of, we kind of understand what's happening in this moment. It's nighttime, a demon possessed man that's living in the cemetery who is naked, who is covered with blood has broken chains hanging off of him, screaming, comes running to Jesus. Now, if you were one of the disciples that's with Jesus, when this is happening, what in the world would you have done? 
what would you have done? Oh my gosh. I, I actually thought it'd be interesting to do a poll. And so here's the question you're going to see on the screens. What would you have done? All right. First option is this, hide behind Jesus. How many would have hid behind Jesus when this naked demon that's blood all over him comes running and screaming towards him, right? Um, what about this one, the second one? Um, how many would have taken off running? Yeah, anybody would have taken off? Um, I, don't, you go, I guess you run either sideways or back into the water. Or you get in the boat and you just start like paddling away. Um, what about this one, the third one? How many pee your pants? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man, I think that's, that is a real option for some of us. Um, what about this one? Uh, all of the above. <laughs> How many hide behind Jesus and then take off running and you're peeing your pants while you're running? I think that's probably, uh, that's probably my response. I mean, how crazy. How crazy of a, uh, an encounter that we're seeing here. And we see in verse 7 that and it says that, with, speaking of the demon, like with a, with a shriek, he screams, telling Jesus, why are you interfering with me, son of the most high? And I want you to notice as we start to read through this, I want you to notice the authority that Jesus has over this demon-possessed man. Um, son of the most high, in the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. And then Jesus demanded this, hey, what's your name? Like, what is your name? And he replies, my name is Legion. Well, that's an interesting name. I just read an article yesterday about a parent in, I think it was California, that named their baby Hades, right? And the, and the uh, attorney or whatever is trying to get them to change their name because the idea of growing up as a kid and your name is Hades, uh, which also means hell, is just a bit awkward. Um, so he says his name is Legion. Um, and he says this because there are many of us inside this man. Now this word um, Legion in first century um, actually represented a, a group of soldiers, 6,000 soldiers to be exact, with 120 horsemen. And so when this demon called Legion says that there's many of us, you would think that because of his name that there's not just one or two or three demons in this dude. Like, like there could be thousands. Like it could be 6,000 demons in this dude, I mean, this guy is not just possessed, he is possessed, you know what I'm saying? Um, and in uh, verse 10, um, it says, then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to uh, some distant place. Notice the authority, they're having to ask permission. Um, there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. They said, send us into those pigs the spirits begged, let us enter them. And so in verse 13 says that Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And it says that the entire herd of about 2000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Now, if you've ever been to Israel in this location, the hillside is not like on the edge of the water. There's I don't know, there's probably 
um, a couple hundred yards or more distance from the bottom of the hillside to the water. So I just, the, the imagery of this, of all these pigs, and I'm gonna assume this has nothing to do with whether Jesus likes pulled pork sandwiches or not. Um, but um, but and, and anybody, animal, any animal lovers in here, if you've ever had bacon or something like that, then don't send me any letters about Jesus allowing pigs to, 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 to drown in the water. But um, anyway, why I said that, I have no idea. Um, so the pigs come to the edge, right? They fall over the edge, but not just into the water. They fall over the edge and then they just take off running like equivalent to a couple football fields into the water and they drown. Like picture, I mean, picture the chaos of this moment. And in verse 14, it says the herdsmen, uh, <laughs> the herdsmen, fled to the nearby town in the surrounding countryside, um, spreading the news as they ran. That's another way of saying I'm running and I'm yelling all over the place while I'm running. And people rushed out to see what had happened. And a crowd soon gathered around Jesus. And notice this, they see the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons This is a guy who had been creating all kinds of torment in their community. They see this guy and he's sitting there on the ground, fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they got excited and celebrated and revival broke out. No. (laughs) Their response was to be afraid. And in verse 16, it says, then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And notice this in verse 17, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away. Like they had seen this crazy miracle take place and they start pleading with Jesus to go away. I mean, why would they do that? Like, why wouldn't they celebrate the fact that this guy has been freed, that he's no longer a threat to their town and to their families? I mean, why wouldn't they have invited Jesus, right, into their town? I'm sure there were some sick people that lived in the town. They just saw Jesus perform this mighty miracle. I mean, why, why wouldn't you then invite Jesus into the town? Like, maybe he'll do some more miracles, but their response was fear and to push Jesus away. And so I began to think, why would they do that? And I came up with two reasons. The first one, and the reasons that we can see um, really in our lives as well, because they are reasons that are produced by our human nature. The first one is this, is that their livelihood was threatened. That one of the reasons why they were fearful in that moment is because their livelihood was threatened. I mean, this was a Gentile uh, region and um, part of their livelihood was the pigs. And so when those pigs went over the cliff, so did their financial security, at least in their eyes. I hope that's not my phone. Is that my phone? No, okay, sorry. I don't usually bring my phone out here, but I'm doing it for the end of the service. So whoever that was, I'm sorry, didn't mean to point you out. Um, (laughs) 
I have, I have attention deficit disorder, if you know, I didn't take my medication this morning. So, um, <laughs> so there's no, no telling how many sermons I'm going to preach today. Um, <laughs> but they do have a clock in the back that'll flash red. So I'll know when I got to stop. But um, anyway, before we start pointing fingers at all of these people that get concerned about their livelihood, right, from the seat that we have on the bus, I think we should consider the fact that we oftentimes do the same thing with Jesus. I mean, think about, for a moment, think about your position and your obedience when it comes to um, what the scripture says about giving and tithing, right? And I know I'm, I'm kind of treading in, in, I'm kind of getting up in your stuff and I'll be done in just a second. But think about that. Think about how eager we are to want all that God has for us, right? Um, we, we live a generous life when it comes to what we get out of it. But when it comes to what we have to let go of, um, we tend to push Jesus away in those areas. When it comes to things that we feel like we have to sacrifice from our seat on the bus and we can't understand the bigger picture of what God is up to, we tend to wanna to control that and to close our fist. And I think that when you look at the story and you look at their response, It'd be easy for us from our seat to point the finger and say, you guys are crazy. You just saw God do amazing things and now you're pushing them away. But, but how many times do we come into a place like this and we see God do amazing things or we see God do show up in our lives in amazing ways and within weeks we're, we kind of move on with our life, living it our way, thankful for what God has done, but unwilling to really live a fully surrendered life. Life. I mean, it could be so similar to us. And, and then the second thing that I think we see here is that they grew comfortable with where they were. So they felt threatened about their livelihood, but secondly, they were comfortable with where they were. I want you to look at the screens. The truth is, is that we are more comfortable with the predictability of our pain, all right? than we are with the unpredictability of our freedom. Like we would, rather, we would rather live in the pain and the hurt and the bitterness and the things in our lives um, because we can predict. We already know what life is gonna feel like. We already know like what it feels like when we lay our head down at the, on the pillow at night. We don't love it, but we can predict it. And we would oftentimes choose that rather than choosing the unpredictability of God frees us and we're gonna live a, a sacrificial life to him, but we don't know what that looks like on the other side. And the fear of that causes us to push Jesus away in those areas of our life. Here's what I learned early on in my relationship with Jesus is that when Jesus steps into our story, he brings disruption right? He disrupts everything because we are on a path in our life, living life our way, right? It's all about what we get out of it. It's all about our visions for the future and, and the things that we want and the things that we desire. And when Jesus steps into that world, he brings disruption because um, we don't know the way that God would have us to go. The word says that his way is higher than our way, 
right? So he has a plan and a purpose for our life. And the way that we are living our life is moving us away from his purpose. So he brings disruption in our life to move us in the right direction. Look at the screens. This is one way um, that we could say it, that Jesus must disrupt what is to give us what could be. He's got to disrupt what is in our life to give us what could be. And so the challenge that many of us have is we view disruption as something that is bad rather than viewing disruption in our life as a sign that Jesus is at work behind the scenes. Unfortunately, most of us don't like that. And so we keep Jesus far enough that our lives don't get disruptive, but, but close enough that we could feel good about ourselves. And so we see this in the story with these town people. It, it, makes, it makes more sense why they would have fear in the moment and why they would begin to push Jesus out. And, and so Jesus, being the, the gentleman that he is, he, he gives them what they want. And in verse 18, it says, as Jesus was Getting back into the boat, the man, now notice this, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. I don't know about you, but that, that seems like the right response, right? When Jesus brings freedom into our life, maybe it's through salvation initially, or maybe over a period of time, it's, it's restoring a marriage, or it's, it's freeing us from addiction, or whatever it is, that our initial response is more church services, more small groups, right? But I want you to notice in verse 19 something that Jesus says that really, um, really can be confusing. He says this, no. Says in verse 19, he tells this demon-possessed guy that had great intentions, that wanted to, he was free, he just wanted to get in the boat with Jesus. I mean, I don't know about you, but that, that seems like a great life to live, like living in the boat unless he's asleep, right? <laughs> with calming the storm. But Jesus says no. And we see in the rest of this verse why he says no. He says, he gives him a purpose. He gives him a mission. He says, no, I want you to go home to your family and I want you to tell them. What does he want us to tell? Everything that the Lord has done for you. And how merciful he has been. In verse 20, it says, so the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And it says in the text, everyone was amazed at what he told them. Hey, what a, what a crazy story. But what does this story have to do with us? What is Jesus trying to communicate to you and me I think he's trying to help us understand that, that most of us in this room at some point in time, that we've come face to face with the grace of Jesus and we've been changed by that experience. For some, you've been freed of addiction or greed or jealousy or lust. 
Some have been healed from depression or other mental health challenges. Some have have been empowered to to be more confident and courageous and and God has helped you to have a healthy self-esteem and you've been able to accomplish way more than you ever thought you could in your life. I think what Jesus is trying to say is that whatever it was that I freed you from, that your life is now different because of that encounter. And now Jesus looks at you and me and he says the same thing that he says to this former demon-possessed guy. He says, go. And he says, tell everything that the Lord has done for you. Church, sometimes I think we make sharing our faith um, more difficult than it really is. It's not standing on the corner with a megaphone on a street corner. It's not, it's not knocking on strangers' doors and trying to have some random conversation with them. It's not getting into theological debates. It's simply being generous with our story by telling someone how Jesus has changed your life. Church, take a look at one of those stories today. I've been in church my entire life, but I have not lived a life surrendered to God my entire life. When Dennis and I met, that's really the first time that we both completely let go of the things we were holding back from God. I honestly think the Lord joined us together so that we would grow in our, grow deeper in our walk with God because of each other or through each other. But that doesn't mean that we haven't walked through a lot of pain. Uh, We have been through what most people have been through, death of parents and siblings and financial strain and marital strain. One of the, probably one of the greatest pains that we've walked through. I, I personally never pictured a life without children, but that isn't what happened for us in our marriage. And I think for any mother to live without a child is um, one of the most profound losses that you can have. But a few years ago, about a decade ago, a mentor and pastor of mine, he said, what are you going to do with all that that's inside of you? And I didn't know what he meant at the time, but God began to reveal to me that my job as a Christ follower was to pour out what he was pouring into me. The Lord has just continued to show me that I have a purpose and even my pain can have meaning. Uh, I read something the other day that said, our suffering ceases the second it finds meaning. And in that question that my pastor asked me, what are you going to do with what's inside of you? I began to discover that no matter what I had gone through, it could have meaning. Uh, Certainly, I don't think pain is unique to me or even my pain is unique to me, but I know that God has given me the ability to give hope to other people because of what I've been through. 
I was recently talking to a young couple who had had a miscarriage and one of the things they expressed was how they want to be hopeful but they also need to feel the pain of what they're going through and the Lord brought me right back to my own experience one of the one of the things I've learned over the course of my experiences is that in our pain we can choose to look at our pain or we can choose to seek out God's perspective. Our natural tendency is to try to shield ourselves from more pain when we're hurting. But by shielding ourselves, we can also hide ourselves from the very purpose that God had or that God wants to use out of that. As Christ followers, we have to let go of our plans, our desires, our purpose. And through the hard stuff, we have to look and say, okay, God, what is your perspective? How can you use this? And I just know in my life, God continues to use the hard things that I've walked through to draw other people to me that need the exact uh, word of wisdom or word of encouragement or love or advice from what I've been through. I think when we open ourselves up to allow God to use even the hard stuff in our lives, He'll bring people to us that we can minister to. From really only our experience, I believe there's somebody that only I can reach and only you can reach and only you can reach because of what I've been through versus what you've been through and what you've been through. So we have to live a life open to that person coming into our lives and to recognizing them and to ministering to them in that moment. And that's when you really discover the purpose in your pain. Can you give it up to PJ for the courage to share her story today? You know, it makes me think of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, that says that he comforts us in all of our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort others. It says that when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Church, just like PJ and just like this man who was possessed, that Jesus wants to take our pain and turn it into our purpose. We have to be willing to be generous with it, just like they were. You know what the tragedy was of that story? The tragedy is that there were actually two demon-possessed men, not one. When you look at the story from Matthew's seat on the bus in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, he, he points out that there were two men who were possessed by demons who met Jesus in that moment. And it made me wonder this week, like, why did Matthew write about two demon-possessed men from his seat on the bus? And why did Mark and John only write about one demon-possessed man from their seat on the bus? And and could it have been because the second guy took his freedom that Jesus gave him and went back living life his own way? 
Seems like a logical response because that's the gravitational pull that we all experience in our own life. That Jesus brings freedom. But over time, we have a choice. Do we receive that freedom and live a life of purpose? Or do we receive that freedom and live a life of our own? And so how does the story end? I think the story is a beautiful conclusion to the work of Jesus. You see, most people don't realize that the guy who Jesus freed ends up being generous with his story and he goes home to the towns all around him and began to tell everyone about what Jesus had done. And the Bible says that the people listened and they believed and they were eventually saved. And I think what's cool about this story is that in Mark chapter seven, Jesus returns back to this region and he arrives with the same people who once rejected him now receive him and Jesus is able to do a great work in their community. I love this. I love it because it shows the power of a life-changing story, but it also shows the compassion of Jesus to pursue people who once pushed him away. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse three says that your very lives are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. That Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into the human lives. And notice this last part, we publish it. God is writing a story in your life today. And I don't know what chapter you're in, but I know this, that the story is not finished being written. But at the end of the day, you and I have one of two choices to make. Are we gonna be the demon-possessed guy that chose not to publish his story? Or are we gonna be the one that does? I couldn't help but to think about how Jesus went through the storm to get to these two men. And how Jesus went to the cross to get to you and I. And so the question that I think we all have to ask ourselves two weeks away from Easter is what are we willing to go through to reach people for Jesus? Are we willing to be generous with our story? Are we willing to take all that Jesus has done for us even though our journey's not done yet, and even though we know we're far from perfect, it's not a theological argument. It's simply saying, this is where I was, and this is where I am now. I'm not where I wanna be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. And it's all because of my encounter with the grace of Jesus Christ. Friend, is that your story? Is that the story God is writing in your life? And my challenge to you is this. Don't hold on to your story. Don't allow shame, don't allow fear. 
to cause you to push Jesus away and to settle for the good things of Jesus, but to, to resist and push away the things of Jesus that require us to get outside of our comfort zone. Two weeks from Easter, with a community full of people that are lost, that are dying, that are going to hell, that have broken marriages, that have addictions, that are living life with no hope. And you and I have the answer. God, give us the courage to not hold on to the answer for ourselves, but to be willing to share it with others. Church, can we pray? Father, we thank you for your word today. And God, we thank you that, Lord, you sent your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us. That Jesus, you endured the worst that life had to offer so that you could give us the best that life has to offer. And friend, maybe you're here today and maybe you're far from Jesus and maybe you've never accepted him into your heart or maybe you did at one point in your life and you just recognize that you've drifted further and further away. That Jesus was willing to go through a storm to get to the demon-possessed man. He was willing to go to the cross to get to you. The only response that you have to have today is to open your heart to him and to receive him. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you today, if you sense the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit saying today is your time, I'm not gonna ask you to come forward, but I wanna lead you in a prayer right there where you're seated. With everybody's head bowed and eye closed, I just want you to slip up your hand in this moment and say, Ryan, now's the time. Now's the time for me to come back to Jesus. Now's the time for me to quit living life my way, to live a life with purpose and no regret. Friend, I want you to say this prayer with me and church family, I want, you to, I want you to join in so they don't feel all by themselves that this is, a, this is a church family, that we're in this thing together. I want you to say this, Father, forgive me. Today, I invite you into my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. Heal the areas that are broken within me and give me a life of purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church family, would you give it up for those today that prayed that prayer? I'm so excited. The most important prayer that you could ever pray in your life. At the end of the service today, our prayer team is gonna be up here along the front. And I would encourage you that getting right with Jesus isn't the last step, it's the first step. 
And so I want to encourage you after the service is over today to just kind of slip up and find one of our, our prayer team members up here and just let them know about the decision you made and give them an opportunity to pray with you today. Listen, I'm going to challenge you in this moment. I want you to grab your phones. That's why I brought my phone up here today. I never do it, but that's why I did it. I want you to grab your phones. And I think one of the easiest ways, the most practical ways that we can share our story, be generous with our story, is to share something this morning. And so what I want you to do is I want you to, I want you to go um, to our church, Transform TLH um, social media page, preferably Facebook. But if you're young and all you do is Instagram, I get it. You can go there too. My kids keep trying to get me on Instagram and like, I just can't figure it out. I'm 47 and I got to get with the game, but, um, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to um, our church Facebook um, account. If you don't know, um, if you don't, aren't, aren't already uh, following that, do, but um, you can type in uh, Transformation Church in the search bar and you'll see our little green logo that's there. And I want you to go to that and scroll down and you're going to see our Easter ad. You guys see that? Once you get there. Dude, you guys are rocking the groove back here. I'm like, I'm an awful dancer, but you got me moving. I want you to do this. I want you to click on that ad. I want you to share it, but share. I want you to share it this way. I want you to um, uh, share the feed. And then I want you to write in there, are you ready for a change. Are you ready for a change? And then I want you to hit that, that blue share button. And I want us in this moment, I want us to, I want us to, to get very practical in this message of being generous with our story, that God has changed our life. And I want to, the easiest way with no conversations needed, I want to share with other people the change that God has made in my life. And I wanna invite them to our Easter service. So make sure that you do that today. As we close today, I'm gonna go ahead and um, close out the service today. Hey, lift up uh, Pastor DJ and Jay. They had to go. I got two, I got two pastoral staff members today that are gone. Um, they're at the hospital. Jay wasn't feeling good. And so make sure and keep them uh, in your prayers today. Uh, if you got their numbers, make sure and send them a, a, a message or something, loving on them a little bit. Um, but here's a challenge to you at the end of the foyer, on the way out, you'll see a bunch of invites that are out there. Grab some yard signs, grab some business cards, whatever. And uh, let's invite uh, people to our Easter Sunday here in a couple of weeks. Uh, also, if you are uh, new to Transformation Church, um, our Discover TC uh, luncheon is happening next Sunday, and you don't want to miss that. That is uh, about an hour and 15 minutes long. It's a free lunch. You got free childcare, and uh, it's an opportunity for us to connect, you to hear the heart behind the vision and what our church is all about. It is your next step if you're new to Transformation Church. So I would encourage you to sign up for that. You can do um, that at guest services on your way out. And then finally, um, if you are new today, if today's your first time, welcome. We're so excited that you're here. Um, take that green and white connect card. 
Uh, as soon as the service is over, head back to guest services. We got a free gift that we want to give you. But one of the things that we do because of the generosity of our church is just for you being here today, uh, we make a $10 donation for every person in um, your family uh, to an organization called Convoy of Hope. And that $10 feeds a, an impoverished child for 30 days. And so that's something we do uh, just because you chose to worship with us today. So make sure you stop by so we can make that donation. Hey, would you stand with me today? And prayer team, would you make your way up here to the front? Um, make sure you follow us on TC News for all things Transformation Church. Uh, if you ever wonder, oh, I didn't hear that. I didn't know that was happening. It's probably because you're not following TC News. So make sure that you make sure that you do that. Well, let me pray for us today as we go. Father, we thank you for an amazing uh, opportunity to freely worship you today. God, I pray right now that you would give all of us the courage to be generous with our story. Lord, oftentimes in our lives, we're hesitant to share our story because the story isn't completely written yet. But Lord, you're not waiting for us to die and to go to heaven before we start telling the story. So Father, give us the courage. Give us the courage over the next couple of weeks to, to share what you have done in our life to others. And Lord, may we see the fruit of that story through changed lives. Lord, be with us this week. Let this be the best week of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, turn to a few people, give them a high five, tell them to have a great week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.